I am so excited about this. I want to welcome you to the Purpose Project Podcast. During our time together, I will teach you how to pray, how to intentionally develop intimacy with your Creator, and challenge you to discover and embrace your God-ordained purposes. I am your host, Margie Florent. My prayer for you today is that you will be empowered and strengthened in the Word of God to move forward into your destiny. Okay, we're going to continue our teaching on dominion and authority. Uh, But before we start, I would like to pray. And you can join me in prayer if you would like. Heavenly Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that you've given us, the church, dominion and authority over all the works of darkness. And I thank you today that as this message goes forth, it goes forth into the airways and into the highways and into the byways. And this message brings light and wisdom and revelation to the hearers of this word. I thank you, Father, that no weapon formed against me will prosper. I thank you that I will open up my mouth boldly and make known this mystery of the gospel. And I thank you, Father, that even while I speak, I pray that signs and wonders would be done by the name of your holy child, Jesus, Meaning if there's someone who's listening to this tape, I pray that your spirit would come upon them like it came upon uh, the early church. While Peter yet spake your word, the Holy Spirit fell on all them that heard your word. So Father, today I ask that you would demonstrate yourself through this message by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you believe that? Well, I believe that. Well, we're going to continue to talk about dominion and authority, and I'm just going to go ahead and quickly review. We found out in our first session that Adam was given dominion over all of the earth, that he had complete rule, that he had complete authority, but that Adam and Eve, through their disobedience, opened up the door for Satan to gain entrance into the earth, thus giving Satan authority, legal authority, to legally rule here. And we find that out in the scriptures. And remember, I've always told you that you have to stick with the Bible. What does the Bible say about whatever particular subject we are talking about? Well, the Bible says in Corinthians that Satan is the God of this world. We also found out in our previous teaching that when Jesus was led up into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, we found out that Satan came to him with some temptations. And one of the things that Satan came to him and he said to him, he said, he said, all, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world at a moment of time. And the devil said to Jesus, he said, all authority, Jesus, I will give to you and their glory for this has been delivered unto me and I will give it to whomever I wish. And what he wanted Jesus to do was he wanted Jesus to bow down and he wanted Jesus to worship him. And this was a real temptation. This was a true temptation. And yes, Satan did did have the authority to deliver the kingdom to Jesus because like he said, it was delivered unto him. And so this is what happened. So God said to Adam, listen, I give you dominion. I give you authority over all of my works. You rule here. I'm giving it to you. But what what Adam did was he gave it 
over to Satan and therefore Satan came into the world and he is legally here. But we also found out in our previous teaching that Jesus came to the earth and as the plan was, it was to restore dominion and authority back to man. And we call this the plan of redemption. And in Jesus Christ, he restored man back into fellowship unto his father. We found out that God said to, in, in the book of Genesis, if you disobey me, you know, and I don't think Adam and Eve really knew the totality of what was going on, but God knew that there was an enemy. And so God said to Adam, he said, if you disobey me, he said, in dying, you shall surely die. In other words, in dying spiritually, it's going to affect you physically. And so God said, don't disobey me. I'm setting up these laws. And what happened is, is when Adam disobeyed God, he was separated from God. And through that separation, therefore, he died physically. Now, we find also that Jesus, when he came to the earth as the second Adam, as you recall, that Jesus exercised that dominion and authority during his earthly ministry. And you will say, well, how did he exercise dominion and authority in his earthly ministry? Because Jesus was born of a virgin. He was alive unto God. He wasn't separated from his father. And he came to the earth as an intercessor. And he came and he had all rule and all dominion and all authority because of his connection with his father, God. And when Jesus was here on the earth, the Bible says in several scriptures that he operated in this dominion and in this authority. We find that out in several portions, one of which is when Jesus turned the water into wine. He had dominion over the natural elements. We also found, found out in our previous teaching that he had dominion over uh, the fish and the loaves of bread, meaning he was able to multiply the loaves, he was able to multiply the fish, and therefore he supernaturally fed 5,000 people. Uh, Jesus cursed the fig tree. The fig tree was alive, it was, it was beautiful, and Jesus, through his dominion and authority, spoke to the fig tree and commanded it to die, and the next day we find that the fig tree was dead and it was no longer bearing any fruit. We uh, found Jesus uh, exercising his dominion and his authority over the fish of the sea. When, when the disciples were unable to get fish and catch fish, Jesus simply told them, throw your net over to the other side. The disciples obeyed Jesus. They threw their net over to the other side. And the Bible says that they, they, were, they had so much fish that they weren't able to contain all the fish that they had that the nets literally broke. We also found out that Jesus had dominion over devils, demons, and evil spirits. He spoke to, to uh, a spirit called Legion that was in an insane person. Legion left that person and went into a herd of swine. And the Bible says that that herd of swine ran violently down the, the, this, 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 this steep. We found out that Jesus had dominion over disease over and over and over. The Bible says that Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And there were several cases of healing. We also found out that Jesus had dominion over death. He, he took it, his dominion was, went as far as him having dominion over death. We found out that God raised, God through Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead 
and Lazarus was dead four days. There was another little girl that Jesus was able to raise from the dead who hadn't been dead. So we find that Jesus exercised in his dominion and in his authority. And he was able to do that because he was born of a virgin and he was alive unto God. And so this was the plan of redemption. And basically what happened is the Bible says that, that Jesus went to the cross and he died on the cross. He became sin for us who knew no sin. And, and because he became sin for us, it was the way whereby you and I could be saved. But it was so much more than that. I mean, it's the most important, but there was so much more that took place in his death and in his burial and in his resurrection. And we're going to find that out as we study the scriptures today. The Bible says that if, if the princes of this world had known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. The, the devil, the enemy, played right into the hands of God's plan. And you may say, well, Margie, why do you say that? Like, why, why does the Bible say that? Because what happened is Satan thought he got rid of Jesus. He got rid of this, this, this man who had God in him and was operating in dominion and authority. He thought, I'm just going to crucify him and I'm going to get rid of him. But you know what? That's not what happened. The Bible says that Jesus, he, he not only died on the cross, but he rose from the dead. He was the firstborn among many brethren. And the Bible says that when we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, and we become one with him, we become new creatures in Christ. Christ is in us, the hope of glory, and now we are little Christ-like ones in the earth. So when the scriptures say, if they had known, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. What that means is, on the day of Pentecost, suddenly there came a sound from heaven and, and the Holy Spirit moved in the early church and little Christ-like ones were born all over the world. And it spread so much that within a matter of days, there were 5,000 Christ-like ones in the earth. So... Not only did the devil play into his hands in that regard, but through his death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus conquered the devil and all the powers of spiritual darkness. And he set the believer legally free from Satan's strongholds. And what we're going to do is we're going to explore three scriptures that talk about what Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection. I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to read these scriptures, and then we're going to go ahead and break down the, the Greek meaning of several of these words. The first scripture we're going to go into is Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. The Bible says, and this is what happened when he, when he went down into the lower parts of the earth and when he was raised from the dead. The Bible says, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of the devil openly, triumphing over them in it. Hebrews 2.14 says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise took part of the same, that through death, through Jesus' death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Verse John 3, 8 says, For this purpose was the Son of God manifested. Why? 
that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now we're going to break down some of these Greek words for you so that you have a fuller understanding of what these scriptures mean. And this is what the enemy doesn't want you to know. The Bible says that we're not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. The Bible also says that my people, God's people, you and I, we perish. Why? Because of a lack of knowledge. And I believe, and I know because the Bible says so, that the more we understand what Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection, the more we will have faith in our hearts, and the more we will use our dominion and our authority on this earth, and the more we will live more victorious Christian lives. You see, the devil doesn't want you to know who you are. The devil doesn't want you to understand dominion and authority. He wants you to stay under the rug. He wants you to stay defeated. But the moment you find out who you are, and the moment you find out what Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection, that's when you will start to rise up, and you will start to shine, and you will start putting your shoulders back, and you will begin to walk a more victorious Christian life. Because Jesus didn't just save you from your sin. He saved you, he healed you, he delivered you, and he gave you dominion and authority on this earth. He restored back to you what was lost in Adam. And so therefore, I am going to methodically go through each and every one of these scriptures so that you clearly know and understand exactly what Jesus has done for you and for me. Again, what I'm hearing in my spirit is this. My people, not even the devil's people or the people in the world. God said, my people are destroyed. Why? Because of a lack of knowledge. We need to understand dominion and authority. We need to understand what these scriptures mean. And through this understanding, we will find ourselves strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's not God's will that you live defeated. It's not God's will that you be depressed. It's not God's will that you be sick in your body. The Bible says, by his stripes, you are healed. The Bible says, he bore your sicknesses. He carried your infirmities. And if you believe that and accept that, you will be healed. So Jesus came to restore what was lost in Adam. And so we're going to talk about that. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. Let's go back to that scripture. I'm going to reread it to you, and I'm going to keep reading it to you. It says here that Jesus, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them, of who? The principalities and the powers, and he triumphed over them in it. Now, these principalities and powers are devils, demons, and evil spirits, the spirits that flooded the earth when Adam opened up the door. Now, let's look at the word spoiled. That word spoiled is from the Greek. Remember we said we've got to break the word of God down in the, it's, it can be broken down in the Greek words because the Greek words show us a greater meaning. So this word spoiled, I don't think you really need to know how it's spelled. If you would like to know how it's spelled, I'll spell it for you, but I'm not going to do this for every word. It's A-P-E-K-D-U-O-M-A-I. <laughs> Did that help you? Well, you have it anyway. It, and it means 
It is a word. Now remember, Jesus spoiled principalities and powers. So this word spoiled in the Greek means, are you ready? It means to strip someone of their authority. Remember Jesus, the devil said to Jesus, all this authority has been delivered unto me and I can give it to whomever I will, he said to Jesus in the temptation. But what Jesus did is he stripped Satan of his authority. Think about it. It means to despoil, to defrock, to defeat to the point of humiliation. So Jesus spoiled principalities and powers. He defeated the enemy to the point of humiliation. Jesus did this to the principalities and the powers, the spiritual forces under Satan, who oppose the earthly rule of Christ. So now you see why. Had the princes of this world known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. They played right into this plan of redemption. Let's go on. I want you to picture this. Now remember it says here, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. I want you to think about this. Picture a band of captives brought back from the battle. So there's a big battle and there's a band of captives being brought back and they're defeated, they're humiliated, and they're being paraded in chains for all to see. See that the most prominent ones in this defeat are in the display and who led the attack. So the prominent people that, they've, that you've captive or that they have, have held captive are being displayed for all to see. That would be the generals, the captains, and all the, the heavy hitters, so to speak, in this battle. Well, this is what this scripture means. This is what Jesus did to the principalities. Because we're not going to get into all of this, but there's ranks in the heavenly realm, both in God and in the realm of the spirit and concerning devils, demons, and evil spirits. Jesus spoiled the principalities. So he took the ones that were right under Satan and the Bible says he displayed them openly. <laughs> they are the giants of Satan's attack and Satan's, they are the giants of Satan's dark spiritual realm, the ones next, next to him in opposing the spreading of God's kingdom. So the very key ones that Satan used, the Bible says Jesus spoiled them. He dethroned them. And not only that, he humiliated them and made a show of them openly. Now, knowing Jesus stripped them strengthens you and I in our authority to resist them. So now we can say to the principalities and the powers, the Lord Jesus Christ has stripped you of all of your power and all of your authority. And I submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the name of Jesus, I resist you, Satan. I command you to go far from me. You can say that because you're a believer. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, that we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. And I have just shown you reasons why you don't need to be ignorant of Satan's devices because he spoiled principalities and powers. The Bible says in James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Knowing that Jesus spoiled these principalities and powers gives you the faith in your heart to resist the enemy and know that he has to flee from you. Let's go on. This pas th in this passage, 
Jesus made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. This contains some very powerful and important words. With boldness, and we said it, I'm going to say it again, Jesus made a public spectacle of the principalities and powers. Notice the word openly. He made a show of them openly. This is the Greek word, P-A-R-R-E-S-I-A, and it means with open boldness. I don't know about you, but for me, that's good news. And this word triumphing is from the word that means to make a public show or spectacle. There was nothing private about the overthrow of Satan when he rose from the dead. It was open, it was public, and Jesus openly manifested his defeat. And can you imagine what was going on in the spirit realm when Jesus did that? Let's go on. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. I'm going to go ahead and reread that scripture. It says here, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise took part of the same, meaning Jesus came to the earth, through a woman, that through his death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is to say the devil. The word destroy in this scripture is from the Greek word k-a-t-a-r-g-e-o. And that word means to render someone powerless, to take from them all the ability to accomplish anything to reduce them to complete inactivity. So Jesus destroyed him that had the power of death. In other words, he rendered him harmless or powerless. He took from the enemy all the ability to accomplish anything and he reduced them to complete activity, or in other words, he reduced him to zero. So why are we allowing the enemy to run all over us and have an advantage over us? because of a lack of knowledge. But faith comes by hearing, the Bible says, and hearing by the word of God. Jesus took our place to do this to the devil. He entered into the ultimate stronghold of the satanic realm. Death itself and destroyed him who held the dominion there. So the enemy held the dominion of death and revelations we find in Revelations 1.18 that Jesus said, I am he that liveth, and I was dead, but behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys now, because of what I did in my death, burial, and resurrection, I have the keys now of hell and of death. Keys are symbols of authority. Jesus says, now I have the keys. <laughs> that word power in Hebrews 2.14 is from the Greek word K-R-A-T-O-S, and it means governmental power. Thus, Jesus rendered him powerless who held the dominion of death's realm. No longer can Satan rule us from the spirit unless we allow him. If we're ignorant of Satan's devices, then he's able to rule us. But the more we increase in wisdom and spiritual understanding, the more we will see who our enemy is and who is not our enemy. You see, the Bible says we don't wrestle against people. We don't wrestle against one another. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle and our fight at times 
is with the enemy, with demon spirits that are behind the things that are happening. Even some of the things that are behind our government and the way some of our nations are going is because of the structures of the demonic spiritual realm that have reigned supreme over those nations. But through Jesus Christ, we have authority over those demon spirits and over that stronghold. And I believe the church is waking up and we're seeing who we are. And this is what the enemy doesn't want, but that's okay. We will preach the word and we will get this word out there and we will be bold and we will decree and we will declare the principalities and the powers of this world that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is the victor, that he spoiled principalities and powers, that he rules and reigns. How? Through you and I. So, no longer can Satan rule us from this spear. But he's ruling me. I know he rules some, some people and sometimes we allow him to rule us. But once we wake up and realize who our enemy is, we won't allow him to do that anymore. Those of us who are committed to the Lord Jesus, the beginning of our life, its continuance and its end are in his hands alone. For us, physical death, because he has dominion and authority over death. For us, physical death is just an entrance into heaven. So we're cool with dying because we know that when our spirit leaves our bodies, we're not going to nowhere land. We're going to heaven to be with Jesus forever. 1 John 3, 8. Let's look at that scripture again. Let's review that scripture. It says here, for this purpose, what purpose? There was a purpose for Jesus coming, not just to save us from our sins, but there was another purpose. And what was that purpose? For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. Why? That he might destroy the works of the devil. That word destroy is a very small word. It's L-U-O, and it means to loose. To loose in the sense of undoing something that has been done. It means to untangle, undo, and dissolve. So let's go back to that scripture. I'm going to repeat it. The art of teaching is repeating. Let's repeat it. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy, loose, with the sense of undoing something that had been done. He undid the works of the devil. So we know this in regarding the works of the devil. This is where hopelessness and depression does not have to dominate you or me and that Jesus can untangle, undo, or dissolve any mess the enemy has brought your way. Why? Because he came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to loose with a sense of undoing something. So there is no satanic complication in any life too great for Jesus. I've seen people over and over and over again that have been fooled by the enemy, that have been under the enemy's power. I've seen them miraculously born again. I've seen their lives completely turned around. And I have seen the light of the glorious gospel manifesting in their lives. And I've seen God completely and totally deliver them. I've seen people delivered from sickness. I've seen people delivered from depression. I've seen people who are on medication their whole life completely set free because of what Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection. So, Jesus is saying, okay, listen, I've won back the power and the authority. Now what? Well, this is our point. 
Now what he's saying is, I am going to give it back to you, you the believer, whether you're newly saved or you've been saved for 30 years. There is the same dominion and the same authority for everyone. He says, now I am giving you back this dominion and this authority. I'm going to read several scriptures. Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to his disciples. This is after he rose from the dead. And he said, all authority has been given to me. We just read about it, didn't we? Where? In heaven and on earth. So all authority has been given to me. I won back the authority. I conquered Satan. I destroyed principalities and powers. I took back the keys of hell, death, and the grave. He said, all authority has been given back unto me. And I'm going to read you what that word authority means. It's some of the same, it's the same definition that we found in our previous teaching. It's exousia. He says, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. That word is exousia, and it means delegated authority and liberty to exercise the full power of attorney and all of God's interest to it means complete authority to act in God's stead as if God himself were here doing the work it means the right to exercise power or the power of rule or government so God, Jesus said, all of this authority, all this exousia has been given unto me. So now what? You know what he said to you and me? You know what he said to the church? You know what he said to you if you're a newly born again Christian? Or you know what he said to you if you're a Christian who's been saved for 40 years and you're, you're, you're in defeat or you're depressed or you've got problems? You know what he's saying to us? He's saying, I did all this, now go therefore. He said, I want you to go therefore. All this authority has been given to me but now I'm delegating it to you. I want you to go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Lord. And he said, and teach them everything I've taught you. And he said, and remember, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. So I've got back all that dominion and authority. And now I want you, the church, to do something with it. Listen, church, or, or whoever's listening to this, it's not que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. No, you have to do something about the circumstances in your life. Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me. Now I want you to go and do something about your circumstances. Two-thirds of God's name is go. I want you to do something. I've given it back to you. You've got to take your place. Take your stand against the enemy. Don't let him run all over you. It's like a police officer. This word exousia reminds me of that. He's been given the authority to stop traffic at an intersection. Think about it. He's got his uniform on, he's got his hat on, he's got his badge, he's got his gun all around him. He has complete authority to do what he does. He can step into an intersection, an intersection full of cars, and he could command the cars to stop, he could command the cars to go. He has complete dominion and the authority. Now in himself, physically, he can't stop a car, can he? No, but he's been given authority to do it. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Now, it's the same thing with our spiritual authority. God has delegated to you because Jesus 
gave it back to you. Now listen, listen to this. So this delegated authority and liberty to exercise the full power of attorney in all of God's interest, complete authority to act in God's stead as if God himself were here doing the work, this right to exercise power or the power of rule or government has been delegated to you by Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. So how is it released? Well, the believer's authority is released and it's executed or exercised through the name of Jesus. I'm going to repeat that. The believer's authority is released, executed, and exercised by using the name of Jesus. It's his name through faith in his name. And when it is exercised, you have authority and dominion over the works of darkness and over the things that have been coming against you in your life. The name of Jesus is not a magic wand that you just wave over your circumstances. We just found out that the name of Jesus has everything invested in it that Jesus did in his death and in his burial and in his resurrection. So when you use the name of Jesus, you are bringing Jesus Christ himself on the scene. The Bible says, whatsoever you ask or demand, Jesus said, in my name, I will do it. Amplified says, I will be there to back it up. So when you use the name of Jesus, it's just as if Jesus Christ is there backing up his name. And the devil and the demons and the oppression, the things that have come against you, they remember what happened. They remember that Jesus spoiled them. They remember that their works are destroyed. He just thinks we don't know who we are. But guess what? We are not ignorant of Satan's devices. Let's look here at Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 through 11. The Bible says, and I'm going to give you more ammunition. See, that's what we need. We need ammunition. You may not realize this, but you're in a war. And like we said, we're not wrestling against one another. We're wrestling against rulers of the darkness of this world. We're wrestling against spirits. I'm not saying behind every, you know, doorknob or door there's a devil. I'm not saying we should be devil conscious. I just think that we need to wake up and we need to realize who our enemy is. I think we need to see ourselves more like soldiers. As a matter of fact, under the New Testament, the Bible talks about in Ephesians 6, the armor that we carry, that we have on the full armor of God, that we are able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We have the helmet of salvation. We have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We have the shield of faith. We are in a war. And here's some more ammunition. It says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 through 11, it says, that Jesus humbled himself and he became obedient unto to the point of death. We know this, but we're pointing it out again. Even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Now, we're talking about every knee should bow. We're not talking about just a few knees should bow. 
The Bible says, and that's what we, we have to understand. Do we believe the Bible or don't we believe the Bible? I believe the Bible. I believe that the Bible is the infallible word of God that lives and abides forever. Then the Bible says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's not just, it's, it's, it's knowing the truth. It's not just hearing the truth, but it's knowing it and receiving it. It says here, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Of those things in heaven, those things on earth, and those things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Think about that. There are three worlds that have to bow its knees to the name of Jesus, and the Bible says it. In heaven, everyone bows their knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and they're bowing their knees to Jesus Christ. He is in heaven right now, and people are worshiping him, and they're bowing their knee to him. Of those in heaven and those on the earth. Not only that, but those under the earth. So in hell, and in the realm of the dead, people have to bow their knees to the name of Jesus. Three worlds have to bow their knee. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, New Living Translation. It says here, When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor, this is right now, at the right hand of God, the majestic God in heaven. So in the realm of the Spirit, this is where Jesus is, and this is what he's doing. And this shows, New Living Translation, that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their name. So he has been given a name which is above every name. God gave him that name, and it's through the name of Jesus that we have authority. Mark 16, Jesus said, These signs will follow them that believe. Okay, all dominion, all authority has been given unto me, heaven and earth. Okay, but it doesn't stop there. Here we see Jesus, and these signs will follow them that believe. Okay, well, that's cool, but what about it? How do they follow us? How do we exercise that dominion and authority? Jesus said here, in my name, not your name, not somebody else's name, not Hare Krishna's name, not Kabbalah's name. Jesus said, in my name... First of all, he said, you'll cast out devils. He was dealing with the devil right from the beginning. He made a show of them openly, and he wants us to continue to exercise our authority over him. He said, in my name, this is how you're going to exercise authority. You're going to cast out devils. You're going to heal the sick. You're going to cleanse the leper. You're going to exercise dominion and authority, exousia, over the works of my hands. It was lost in Adam, but I've restored it back to you. But I need you to use my name. And when you use my name, I'll be right there to back it up. Because I am not a man that I should lie, nor the son of man or like people that I repent or turn away from what I say. God said, what I say, I will do. God is not schizophrenic. God is not bipolar. God doesn't say one thing one day and another thing the number day, now another day. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says, I am the Lord God and I change not. 
So if I say, in my name you'll cast out devils, that's exactly what's going to happen. If I say, in my name you'll lay hands on the sick, that's exactly what's going to happen. I am going to be there to back it up. I will stand on my word. Listen, I've got to tell you what I'm seeing in my spirit. Matthew chapter 7, I believe it's 7, 7, 7, 24, I believe. The Bible says, when a person builds their life on a good foundation, hearing the word of God and doing the word of God, when the winds come and the storms come and beat against your house, the Bible says your house won't fall. Why won't your house fall? Because you've built your life on hearing the word of God and doing the word of God. And so all kinds of storms can come, all kinds of circumstances can come, but when you put your trust in Jesus and you stand on the authority of God's word, no matter what comes your way, your house, your life, your marriage, your children won't fall. You can stand on the promises of God. The Bible says that all the promises of God are yes and amen. There is not one promise that has fallen to the ground that God says will be no more. No, God stands on his word. He backs up his word. He backs up his word with signs following. And I believe that even as I speak this word, signs and wonders are following me. Wonders. What's a wonder? Uh, let me just break it down. If you need something in your body, just receive. Just receive what God is saying. In my name, I command, in the name of Jesus, I speak healing over you. Just receive. If you've had sickness or oppression, I believe that the word of God can go forth and set you free right where you are. Just receive. So Jesus said, these signs will follow them that believe. Here's another one. More ammunition. Remember, you're in the army of God, and this is not a joke. You know what? I like to say it like this. For this purpose are you manifested, because Christ is in you, the hope of glory. For this purpose are you manifested, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Why? That you might destroy the works of the devil. See, I know my purpose. I have two purposes. The first purpose I have in my life is that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and to become deeply and intimately acquainted with him. But I also know that my purpose in my life is to destroy the works of the enemy. And don't think that that's going to come without a fight, because the enemy will fight you every step of the way. If he knows he can stop you at level three, well, then he'll stop you right there. But if he knows you're getting ready to go into level four, he's going to try to stop you from getting into level four. Listen, new level, new devil. Hmm. <laughs> So, having done all to stand, just keep standing there for. If you're about to enter into a new level in God, I'm telling you, the devil will fight you every step of the way. But once you press through to that new level, the devil knows, oh, I can't stop her. And the way he stops is through deception and through lies and through oppression and through getting you to be tired and to get you off focus. Just keep your focus and your attention on Jesus. He is the author he is the finisher of your faith, and he will not leave you, he will not fail you, and he will not forsake you. Luke 10, 19, I like this one. I like them all, actually, but I'm just going to give you some more ammunition. Remember, we said faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Luke 10, 19 says that the 70, now this was during Jesus' earthly ministry, 
Think about that. He hadn't even destroyed principalities and powers. He hadn't made a show of them openly. He hadn't have conquered them. He hadn't done any of that. He was just doing all that in his earthly ministry. And so what happened is, is he gave his disciples power and authority, and they were exercising that authority. They weren't even born again like you and I are. It says, then the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, <laughs> even the demons are subject to you in your name. Remember, we're talking about dominion and authority being exercised in the name of Jesus. They were all excited. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They were just regular people, just like you and I. Yes, they were. But they, they were regular people, but they had a powerful, supernatural God who had called them and chosen them and raised them up for that time. And just like you're raised up for such a time as this. And he said to them, now this is Jesus talking, he said, listen, I already saw Satan falling from light, like lightning from heaven. Remember, we talked about that in our first session. Satan fell from heaven. Jesus said, I was there when he fell. I saw him fall. He said, but listen, behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Not your friend. Not that person who hurt you. Not that father that beat you. You know, he said the enemy. There's enemies that work behind some of these things that happen to us. He says, I give you authority to trample on serpents. That word is exousia. Once again, it's that same authority, power, the right to control or govern, dominion. It, it, it just, it's the same word. That, that, that God says, I give you the right, the liberty, and the strength. I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and all, or all the power of the enemy. And then he said, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Then he says to his disciples, he said, but that's not the point. That's actually secondary. He said, don't, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits and the devils and the demons are subject to you. Let's get back to salvation. He said, rejoice because your name is written in heaven. So what does that mean? He said, I give you authority. I give you power. I give you dominion. And he said, and nothing shall by any means hurt you or harm you. You know, let me just tell you something. If you're a student and you're walking on your campus and someone tries to assault you, the Bible says, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Jesus is saying, I give you the authority, you the dominion, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So what do I do, Margie? Well, you use your dominion and you use your authority. You don't let them harm you. You don't let them hurt you. You rise up and you look at them right in the eye and you speak. And you let your, your faith be, be, you let your words do the, do the warring for you. You speak and you say, in the name of Jesus, I command you to get away from me. You speak and you use the name of Jesus, nothing shall by any means hurt you. If you're in a mall and someone tries to assault you, you turn and you say, in the name of Jesus. If you're in a position where you can't say it loudly, because Dominion and authority has nothing to do with how loud you say it or how soft you say it. What you need to do is say it. 
say in my name, in the name of Jesus, no weapon formed against me will prosper. In the name of Jesus, you're a young woman and somebody breaks into your house and, and they're trying to assault you. What are you going to do? In the name of Jesus, I command you to stop. In the name of Jesus, I forbid you to harm me. Use the name of Jesus. Jesus said, nothing shall by any means hurt you. And 1 John 4, 4 says, and remember this, Jesus said, in my name, you'll cast out devils. But the Bible also says that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Jesus Christ, the one who destroyed the enemy, the one who conquered the enemy, the one that rules and reigns, that has given you all authority, is in you. And the Bible goes on to say, and whatsoever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. But you have to say it. You have to speak it. You have to use the name of Jesus. Like we said, it's not que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. No, you have to do something. You have to use your authority. We're going to take a couple of more minutes. And I just want to talk about more uses for the name. We can use the name of Jesus in prayer to the Father. I just want to read you a scripture. John 16. Jesus said, and these are his words, they're in red. Verse 22, Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore you have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. And Jesus said in verse 23, see they were upset because Jesus was leaving, but they didn't understand what I just explained to you. That was the plan of redemption. Verse 23, Jesus said, And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Until now, he said to his disciples, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. This is the New Testament way to pray. We are to pray in the name of Jesus. So we can use the name of Jesus for prayer to the Father and get results. And remember what Jesus said at the tomb of Lazarus? He said, Father, I thank you that you hear me always when I pray. And we know what happened. He that was dead came forth. How else do we use the name of Jesus? We need to use the name of Jesus in faith. There's the story of a man who was crippled from his mother's womb. And when the disciples came to him, they said, look on us. And the man was expecting to, to receive money from them. And the disciples said to them, they said, we don't have silver and gold to give you. But what we have to give you is something far better. Healing, deliverance, safety, soundness, salvation. We have something better. We want to give you uh, the name of Jesus. And he said, look on us. And the Bible says that they used the name of Jesus. And they said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the Bible says his ankle bones received strength. He began walking and leaping and praising God. And the disciples were like, you know, people were like, 
wow, look at, look at this miracle that the disciples had done. Look at this wonderful miracle. And the disciples pointed them right back to Jesus. And they said, no, it wasn't about us. It's not our own authority. It's not by our own might we have done these things. It is his name through faith in his name that has made this man healed and strong in the presence of you all. Lastly, uses of the name of Jesus, most importantly, we can use his name for salvation. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, that nor or neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. If you want to be saved, the Bible says in Romans 10, 13, that whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You have to call upon the name of Jesus. There's no other name given among men whereby we can be saved. Maybe you're that person today that's never been born again. Today, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. I believe you've heard his voice. Don't harden your heart. But today you can receive Jesus Christ into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior. And you can become a new creature in Christ. I'm going to lead you in this prayer. Remember, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ, will be saved. It will happen definitely. You don't have to keep praying over and over and over. From the first day that you pray this prayer, you will be saved. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes right where you are. Just close your eyes. I'm going to pray a simple prayer with you. And just repeat it. Just repeat it out of your mouth after me. Say, have, say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today. In the name of Jesus, I believe in my heart the things that Margie has been teaching. I believe that God has raised you from the dead so that I can be saved. Jesus Christ, I call upon your name today. Come into my heart. I make you the Lord of my life. And today is the first day of the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Project Podcast. For more content, video, and teachings like this, visit margieflorent.org.